Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. And I'm Ashley K. Smalls. And I'm Brett White. And I am Nicholas Walker. And today we are here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yay! Um, Nick, you've gotten an early start on co-hosting duties. This is your second time co-hosting and you haven't officially been announced yet, but I have bullied you into doing it twice already now. That is true. You are a bully. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I guess we'll start at the top with just like general feelings on the movie. Um, Ashley, I'm most curious to hear what you thought because I know what me, Nick and Brett thought already. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. anxiety inducing because there was like no moment in the movie where I thought someone wasn't going to die. That's true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so over was just times when I was like looking down, like I can't, I can't see this. I was just very <laughs> convinced. Like, yeah, I was, I was very much convinced like one of the main yeah. team members because we know several people before the movie came out was very much clear about like, I'm done. It's been 10 years. This is it for me. Um, and I mean, damn near everybody had like a life death experience at one point in the movie. So I was just very, I was just very convinced like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I did overall enjoy it. I do now that I know, you know, what happens, I, yeah. I should probably go see it now being able to be comfortable and not like having to look away and stuff. Ashley, that is so fucking funny because, yeah, it really almost was like a horror movie at some point. Just, I was so worried about everyone. And I was positive Drax would die, especially because Dave Batista has been- I was been... so convinced. I went, I was right? like, yeah. I honestly kind of felt like his death was going to be a given. And then James was going to like throw in a big one to yes. like really ruin us. Yeah. Um, and like, like I said, everyone had a life or death experience. When he got shot- and he did that slow motion thing. Yes. With him. Yeah. I was yeah. like, fuck, this is it. <laughs> this is it, everybody. <laughs> I thought this, I really was like, this is his death scene. Oh, shit. And then when they're like walking away and he's limping, I was like, oh, all right, who's good? All yeah. Right. I thought, and then they shot him again. <laughs> yes. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, especially with the, with Mantis yelling, I was like, this is like, no, this is, this is the death scene. Yeah. And then they're going to fucking carry him to the ship. With him taking his last breath, Rocket in the other room also dying. I was like, and then and then I was just thinking Rocket's going to wake up and like one or two of them are going to be dead. Uh, and I was so distraught. Uh, I was like, after saving him, he's going to wake up and half his family's gone. Like, this is, this is bullshit. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I fully feel that. Um, Nick, what did you think of the movie? So I went into this with very low expectations. Because as you and I have discussed offline, I, the, the last phase of Marvel has been very hit or miss for me, mm-hmm. uh, quality wise. So I went in with very low expectations and was extremely shocked because I think I was in tears like four or five separate times throughout the movie. And, and like Ashley said, I was convinced that half of them were going to die. Um, the second that you saw like Groot's decapitated head in the beginning. I was like, Oh, this is the kind of movie that we're watching. Okay. And then I remember at like at the end when Peter's floating in space and his like face starts to contort, I was like, this is really how they're going to kill him off. Like this is dark. (laughs) But well, I have a couple little tiny issues with it. Um, Overall, I like to me, this is top tier uh, Marvel. Yeah. Um, and Brett, uh, what did you think? Because I know you and I felt exactly Jesus the same. Fucking Christ. <laughs> um, I think the Guardians franchise is my favorite Marvel fran- like Marvel mini franchise at this point. I think that uh, the Guardians franchise is the only time we've ever seen a team done 
uh, done period in film because the X-Men movies are all about the team always breaking up or getting back together. Uh, and then the Avengers are Avengers movies for two movies. And then it's just, eh, it's just a Marvel movie. It's just everyone. But yeah. like with guardians, we actually got to feel 10 years of these characters, like growing together, forming new dynamics, going, coming. The fact that like, we actually have different rosters, like four was a member for a hot second. Mantis is now like a main character. You know, it, that I, I I love. And then the fact that James Gunn was able to. Uh, oh, God, it's going to be a very tearful podcast episode. <laughs> um, reach into my brain and extract all of these superhero stories that I wrote for myself to star in in like elementary school and middle school and high school and put them on a big screen for me to watch. It has been a very intensely intimate experience that uh, I never expected to happen, but. Oh God. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I spent all of last Monday's therapy session, just talking nonstop 45 minutes about uh, this. this I love that. Okay. So I basically felt the same way Brett did. I cried. I feel like every like 15 to 20 minutes I was crying in this movie from the opening. I think the, the, I know people get like annoyed at the musical cues, but I love the musical cues and I think they've never worked better than they did in this movie. And I've always loved them. It's not, they've never not worked for me, but I think they really upped to the like, we're doing something emotional. We're going to play a song that makes it more emotional. I think that Guardians does it well. And I think you can compare it to the first Suicide Squad because that felt very much like DC's reaction to, oh, they they like yes, songs yeah. they already know in a superhero movie? Do it. Like a Suicide soundtrack is just it's Seven Nation Army. It's, I don't can't remember either. Like, it's just, it's songs you know, songs you hear at a, you know, basketball right. game or whatever. Whereas every single Guardians movie has always felt like a very, very personal mixtape from James Gunn's like collection, his vinyl, his brain that he is connecting to these movies. And that therefore like the choices being so unexpected, I think makes all of the needle drops absolutely integral to the storyline. And I think is what is so special uh, about the entire franchise. And at least two of the needle drops uh, have me in tears. So, (laughs) yeah. Okay. Wait, before we, so we're going to go into the characters, but you know what, while we're here, let's talk about the needle drops first. Um, Because I have been blasting the soundtrack on repeat since I fucking watched this movie. (laughs) And I, all of them make me emotional. Like all of them, it's so nice to be like listening to these songs and can like, I can visualize the part in the movie from the start that like acoustic version of creep playing, showing like baby rocket and then showing their like that they're all a little depressed and they're just kind of like going through their everyday lives. Like fuck that worked so well for me that I kept like tearing up and then like getting, getting it together, but then tearing up five seconds later And I just thought it like, I'm going to sound so fucking corny in this recording, but I thought it was really beautiful as were like 10 million other things in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The like that one really worked for me. The ones that stand out the most are that one. And then um, when they're doing the space jump to uh, Space (gasps) Hards in the meantime, which is a song I love. Yeah. Like just the way that he is able to visualize like what that guitar riff Mm-hmm. Like there's how it sounds, how it has made us feel for 25 years. If you loved that song in the nineties and then James Gunn was actually able to take a, what you hear, what you feel and make it what you see. Like it's so, 
I don't know. Why doesn't this motherfucker direct music videos? <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I, I loved the God. What is the Do you realize playing when like, they're just like, fl- like that was like very beautiful. Yeah. And then the fucking beastie boys. That maybe is one of my favorite fight scenes new favorite fight scenes in like all of the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what everyone at like, uh, Nick, what were, what do you think of some of the needle jobs? Well, I will say like with the music in this movie, maybe it's just because some of the songs I'm not as familiar with as I was with the first two films. Mm. I feel like the music wise, it was less of a thing for me. Like there was still, you know, there was creep in the beginning. Um, and then I was crying my eyes out with dog days are over at the end. Oh yeah. I also cried to that, <laughs> but Like, I love the soundtracks for the first two films. And it's immediately after leaving uh, this film, I was playing the soundtrack to the first two films. So for me, music-wise, it wasn't as impactful as the first two Mm. were. But uh, one thing that I did find surprising, like I was messaging one of my friends about the movie, and uh, he was the opposite. He was like, I felt like this one, as compared to the first two, was like borderline getting ready to turn into a musical. Hmm. And I was like, well, I didn't get that. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just dif- different how you know people interpret things. But um, are, we are talking about music with needle drops, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. I wanted to make sure I got the terminology correct. Um. Ashley, what do you think of the music? I feel bad, and I might you guys may be starting to feel dated here, but so I wasn't alive in the eighties, and when I the nineties, I was watching Playhouse Disney, so I had no idea what was happening <laughs> in terms of the music. Um, <laughs> so sorry. I got really excited when Rocket was trying to play two thousand. He finally made it to the two thousands playlist, and I was like, yes, and it still wasn't anything I knew, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well. Yeah, so I I can't really I will say that the timing and when they would bring in certain like songs in terms of emotions, James Gunn has always been on top of that. Where like some of the Avengers movies have been very bland in that regard. You know, Russo yeah. would bring in like war music when it's time for a fight scene or some shit like that. Yeah. And James Gunn's really good on uh, bringing in like the right, more so modern sound for like if I was. You know, like if I was a superhero, I would absolutely have like Kendrick Lamar playing in the background. Like, <laughs> exactly. Cool. So it's just like, so I'm happy he modernizes it in that way. That makes it just feel like, like a both a space a fight, but also that, yeah, the main character is someone from, from Earth. Like that was always a key part of a Star Lord story because he, yeah. I mean, he literally damn near died still trying to hold on to that goddamn Walkman. So, right. Yeah. So Brett, we are old. <laughs> yeah. Like. So, uh, like, whew. the two that stand out to me are This Is The Day by The The and The Beastie Boys uh, for different reasons. And The oh, The... Oh, I know that one because I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you never sleep. Yeah. Um, but, like, so that the, uh, the song was used at the end of Empire Records. It's like the credits song of Empire Records, which was like one of my high school movies that me and my friends would quote incessantly and... Yep just watch on a loop and I discovered, so I discovered that song in high school and it is, and it's just stuck with me for 20 years and has been a touchstone for me. And it's, it's very like a cathartic, but like happy and sad at the same time kind of song. And so when I saw that it was on the track list, when the track list like was released, I was like, well, fuck James, you're going to, you, this is what you're doing to me. You're just going <laughs> to, you're already taking a song that is predisposed to making me emotional and putting it in this movie. Damn it. So that was uh hard, but then 
the other one, uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, I, you know, back in the days when we just had iPods and those iPods just were iPods, so you could maybe play Snake or Solitaire on it, but <laughs> they just play music. And I lived in New York. And so, you know, you're on the subway a lot. You just have music. And so that's when I listened to a whole lot of music. And I would pass the time by visualizing X-Force fighting to <laughs> whatever song it was, you know, Future Heads or Sleigh Bells or just any of the, like, you know, my uh, Roxy music, etc. And so that's why like Guardians has always felt so real to me, because I always see superhero fights when I hear certain songs yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so the the entire the fact that he was like we're going to do no sleep till brooklyn and it's going to be the entire song and it's going to be all like what seven principal guardians just murdering the fuck out of a whole lot of monsters (laughs) in a bunch of like one or like shots uh, I, I was just weeping the entire time because I was like, this is literally what I visualize in my head. I don't know what that says about me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those, yeah, the, uh, I'm not a critic with this movie. I'm too, uh, too unbiased. <laughs> I, I will say Brett did say to me, well, I don't know. I really love the movie. I don't know if I want to come on for the episode. And then after I saw it, I text Brett and said, I am begging you to come on for this because I fucking loved it so much. This is, I mean, like this is one of the most intense experiences I've had with a movie probably since like last Jedi. And we all saw how that went. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, But so uh, I guess we'll get into like, you know, before, okay, wait, one more thing before we end of the characters, I do want to talk about, I, the thing that like, I have a, I wrote a freelance piece. I'm going to write it after this for Matthew Shepard about the chosen family aspect. And I just want to talk about that for a second, because I do think, I mean, you kind of said this earlier, Brett, this is the best they've ever done with that. And I think they try to do it with Avengers, but Avengers are like coworkers who like each other sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, that's me, not me knocking them. That just, you know, it is what it is. Like, well, even like, so they they came up with an Avengers roster that probably did feel like a found family and all their adventures took place between Age of Ultron and Civil War. Yeah. Yes. Like they took place off screen. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the X-Men problem of they all formed at Age of Ultron and then Civil War was them breaking up. And it's like, well, where are all their adventures? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like we always literally that one scene in Age of Ultron when they are trying to lift the uh, Thor's hammer is probably the most family moment. Yeah. We yeah. get. Yeah out of out of all the movies because after that they basically break up um yeah. and then you know there's always been that running joke of the fact that the guardians are more of a family than the avengers are and i know they're going to be some be some people who take problem with that but it is the truth like they yeah. you know they aren't people who got told by nick fury there's a bad guy coming you guys all have powers everybody start fighting you know they're people right. who ended up finding each other along the way and chose to yeah. continue being there for each other, even in this, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. But like, even in like those two split seconds when we lose Rocket, and I hate that man, <laughs> but <laughs> Chris Pratt. I know. He was good. down when, for those two, when, when Rocket flatlines, yeah. I'm Ugh. so sorry, but he gave us more emotion. You can, that is the reaction of, I just lost my best friend. Yes. Yes. Versus when Natasha actually died. Yeah, oh well. <laughs> exactly, and I'm like, you know, I know everyone's like, oh, they did react, hope through a a, a, ch- a chair, a, a bin. It's like, are you so fucking for real with me right now? <laughs> well, you know, what I keep thinking about is the one shot in, God, is it Endgame, where we see Nebula and Rocket sitting next to each other? Yeah. And I don't even think, they don't say anything. Yeah, and yeah, they weren't even that close at that point. It was really just a matter of, we are all but, we got. 
And then the fact that Nebula in this movie is so attached yeah. to Rocket yes. and it's subtle, but she's like Rocket upgraded my arm and it's like little things like that. And then you remember for five years, they were bonded together through their grief because they both lost. He lost Groot and the Guardians and she lost Nebula and I mean the yep. Guardians who she was getting to. <sighs> I also think about the fact that like one thing about what's so different from what seeing her here than obviously the first two movies when, you know, it's not just the fact that like she's an official team member. It's the fact that like you can tell how close she is to every, like the way in which yes. she snaps, like when she doesn't know that uh, Star-Lord and Groot made it off the ship and that they, you know, like, or she doesn't know that Gamora is is flying off and like, they, like she thinks they've been exploded and yeah. she snaps on Drax. Cause she, you know, it's like, there's a nebula, like the nebula we've seen in the first two solo guardian movies wasn't like that. And we both see this tinge of, her strive for perfection because she gets that from her dad who unfortunately (laughs) made her feel like she has to be, she has to be perfect. So when Drax messes up, she doesn't understand as a family, we still love you through faults because she wasn't loved through her faults. She was tortured. She was punished for them. Yeah. Exactly. So we see that coming through, but also this matter of being so desperately scared of every, every, like the way she snapped every time she thought someone was gone or lost. Yeah. You know, and like that, we did not, we didn't really, they really were, they were co-workers who really fucked with each other. But like that little scene we got after Natasha was like, quite frankly, like that was, that was how I would imagine any of my co-workers would, would grieve. It would be a sad moment of silence. Like, damn, she's not going to come into work anymore. And then it would be back to business the next day. I'm sorry. <laughs> she's not going to come into work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha's <laughs> desk is up for grabs. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she had a desk. She was saving the world from a desk. That is five years. true. Why didn't John know he had a fucking sister? Like, that's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, it, this, this made me almost, and like, I don't think I've ever said this about a straight person, but like, I almost was like, God, I wish James Gunn could do the X-Men and the MCU. Cause like, yeah. this is what I want from the X-Men, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I, the X-Men movies, they're very of the time. So I don't, it's not like I'm like, well, the first. Two. But also, they made a lot of them recently, and they were still air quote of the time. They never updated them. Yes, goddamn it. <laughs> yes. They stayed in the t- in two thousand. Also, that. Um, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I do think taking this formula would work so well with the X Men, and I really hope that that's what they do because the X Men aren't. That's why the X Men aren't the Avengers, right? They are a family. They've always been a family. That's their whole thing. So I really hope we get that because this. Mm-hmm. It just. What you said about Nebula, Ashley, is so true. Like, I don't think I've ever loved Nebula as much as I loved her in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I loved her as, like, the fucking, like, mayor, den mom of nowhere, right? Like, well, and I love, I mean, back in the first one, I just loved how Karen Gillum was given a two-dimensional, she's a henchwoman, essentially. Yeah. And she was like, okay, cool. I'm going to scream every line and just look pissed off at all times. <laughs> and I love that about her performance in the first one, is she was just like... Oof. I think James Gunn said, I, I saw in an interview or whatever, he was like, play her like she is like Marilyn Monroe doing Clint Eastwood. Like, that mm-hmm. is the voice. Like, do that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, it is, that is what that is. She was always like, hey, boys, I'm going <laughs> to kill you. Like, it's so good. <laughs> oh. Nick, what do you think about the like found family, chosen family aspect? Listening to you guys talk, I, I would agree that th- this, the Guardians seem to be more focused on family, mo- way more so than the Avengers. Because I mean, even to to Ashley's point, like technically, it was a major plot point in Infinity War and Endgame that the Avengers were split 
Like that was yeah. part of the issue of what they were facing. So this was, I don't know, it, it, it was a really um, heartwarming journey to see how everybody ended up. I think all of their their character arcs made sense. And with, with Nebula, I think my favorite scene with her uh, showing how much she's changed and how much she cares about uh, the rest of the Guardians was, even though it was played for laughs, it was the scene where she's talking to <laughs> Peter and Peter's kind of like, oh, you have like the most beautiful black eyes that I've ever seen. And it's, you know, she's not immediately trying to like kill him or something like that, which is so far from the yeah. nebula that we were introduced <laughs> to in the beginning. And it's kind of just subtleties like that, that I feel play better on screen and let you uh, kind of illustrate how far she's come. Um, you don't have to have it being so explicit. And uh, now I am 100%. I want, <laughs> I want James Gunn to do X-Men now too, because <laughs> I feel like with the X-Men movies, um, it's always been about here are the X-Men, here are the plot, or here's the plot, here are their powers, whereas the Guardians, it's never really been about that. It's yeah, I will, always uh, been about the family aspect. Mm-hmm. When I was watching that fight scene, I think, I realized like the Guardians are a very low-powered team. Right. Yeah, like, most of them are yeah. just really good fighters or have kick-ass weapons. I mean... Yeah. I mean, like when Thor was a member, it's like, well, no wonder they were like, we have a literal God on our team now. Finally. Yeah. Go do that. <laughs> go Just take care of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like when they're when they're fighting Adam Warlock in the beginning, I did not like obviously nobody probably knew this, but like that he was supposed to be an infant. So he wasn't going to be full powered. So as soon as he shows up and just starts demolishing people, I was like, how are they going to get out of this? Because in the comics, he would have obliterated all of them yeah. almost yeah. immediately. Um and that illustrated to me like just how low power they all are, but they were still working together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I that's funny because I was thinking about that. Um, there's like that annihilation arc that I really like. And I think when they I think the second one is when Adam Warlock turns into um what is it, Magus or Magnus? Magus, Magus. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, and he does, I don't know, there's like a a panel where he like waves his hand and Mantis. Cosmo and like four others just die like they drop dead because he waves his hand and like they all die and I was like very worried that was gonna happen because like he's really brutal with them in that opening like when he he breaks Mantis's arm I gasped because I was like oh no yeah like (laughs) I was like worried (laughs) he was gonna kill people in that opening like Drax was gonna die and that's what was gonna like I was convinced. I'm, I'm right? gonna be reminded that Groot can uh, read whatever because I was like, oh. "God damn, it's just his head that's left." Oh gosh! As soon as, as soon as I saw the head, I was like, "Oh, this is that kind of movie." Like my stomach <laughs> dropped, and I was like, "They can't kill Groot." And then I was like, "Well, they already technically did one, so nothing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Let's talk about the characters. I guess we can start with Adam Warlock since he's a more minor character. I know a lot of people didn't like him. I didn't mind him. He felt a little like added on to the movie, but I, I liked him. Um, what'd you guys think? I, so I'm doing the crazy thing of God, I love making spreadsheets and databases. And so I went through <laughs> and like all the guardians characters from the movies. I was like, let me find all of their key issues, including their first appearances and then read them all in chronological order. So I am currently in 1974, uh, <laughs> but no, but like reading Adam, cause I watched, you know, I know Adam Warlock from like the nineties and I yeah, know yeah. like, th- like he's not a baby. Like, what is this? Like, so I was kind of like, I feel bad for any Adam Warlock. Warlock super fans watching this. But then when I went back and read, 
read his first appearances, he did come out half baked. Like they, he awoke too early. Uh, he's doesn't know anything in like his like fantastic four than Thor appearances in like the late sixties. He doesn't know what's going on. He's talks really weird and it isn't until, and I didn't realize this, the high evolutionary is who gives him his name, which I thought that, you know, make making him the villain of this was a random choice, but then going back and reading those issues, I was like, Oh, that's cool. So you can kind of see, I like that. I can see where James Gunn might have gone back and like read those issues and be like, okay, like he came out too early. He is a child. He doesn't know anything. What does that look like in a James Gunn movie? It looks like a, a, a hot dum dum. Yeah. <laughs> a hot dummy. <laughs> um, actually, what do you think of Adam Warlock? So I was, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge, like diehard Adam Warlock fan, but I am more familiar with the more powerful version from the comics. Mm-hmm. And so I was taken aback a bit and a little upset by it, even though it was well explained. And I also understood like, you can't really have him be the powerful, uh, you know, Warlock and Adam Warlock that we're familiar with. Cause then the movie's over the first 20 minutes in the opening scene. Um, right. <laughs> but at the same time, I think really, I, to be fair, I think really my, maybe the bad taste in my mouth is like, he should have been introduced more properly in guardians too. And we should have a more developed Adam Warlock now. I mean, it's nothing we can do about it, but I think it's just the fact that like, I don't really know where he fits in the overall story of the MCU being past the infinity saga of it all. Mm. Oh yeah. And then it's like, I'm happy he's here. I like him in the comics. I'm just very confused now about him. Um, and, and, and all of this, like they made him fit in the story, but if they had erased that plot line and just had a, yeah, the high, whatever, uh, people is chasing the guardians would the movie have still worked. Yes. So it's like, you know, and then on top of that, it was disappointing in that we got such a breathtaking sort of fight scene in the beginning with him that did sort of allude to how power, like, you know, it did a good job in yeah. showing him. And from there, it went downhill to, oh, he's a baby, which again, I understood the explanation. The explanation works. I just think that where we are in the, these movies, it's like, so what are we supposed to really do with him now? Yeah. Um, so I guess yeah. I was just a bit, I was a bit taken aback. He more so served comedic foil and to save uh, Star-Lord at the end. So it's like, you know, they did they they did a good job of showing, I guess, what he's capable of and what he will be capable of. I'm just trying to figure out what those capabilities are supposed to do if Kane the Conqueror is supposed to be the next big bad. Um yeah. I mean Because like his main two buds are Drax and Gamora, which are yeah. the two actors who specifically have been like, We're We done. are done. It's over. <laughs> yeah. it's over. So I'm just oh, like, wait, Zoe, Zoe Saldana said that too. Yeah. 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 Oh, shit. I mean, to be fair, she's affiliated with like huge franchises and I feel like they're probably paying her more now for Avatar than Guardian. So I can yeah, probably it. But they yeah. did this movie came out what, 2013, 2014? No. Yeah. 2014 was the first Guardians. Okay. So that means they were filming 2013. So like, yeah, this would be 10 years of her life. So I can hmm. yeah. Yeah. And like, but I the thing is I'm I'm really glad they didn't have to kill the characters for them to leave because Marvel yes. usually does really that. Happy with that. They were able to tie up everyone's story in a way where it makes sense why they wouldn't pop up again. But at least leaves the door yeah. open. Yeah, there's yeah. this very small though path if they do want to do so. Yes. But like if if Zoe Saldana really sticks to her guns, it's like, nah, I'm done. Like, you know, us watching the future movies, it's like Thanos is gone. There's no reason for her story to be really tied into this. She's a ravager. She's not really like a, a super happy hero. ravager. A happy yes. ravager. Okay, well, but we'll get to it. <laughs> uh Nick, what do you think of Adam Warlock? So I I'm 50-50 on it. Like I do feel like 
he was kind of tacked on to the movie. And I feel like maybe it was just my expectations, but the whole baby aspect, uh, like Ashley said, while I understand the explanation, I feel like the fans have been waiting for him ever since he was teased in the post credit scene. Um, yeah. So yeah. to to finally all these years later get him and him basically be useless for the majority of the movie that was kind of uh, irritating a little bit. But at the same time, I understand it because I think of I know Ian, <laughs> you and I have discussed this, but kind of what they did with She Hulk, where we watched Bruce go through ten plus years of learning how to control being the Hulk, and then She Hulk immediately within a single episode knows how to control her powers. I'm glad that they didn't do that with Adam; that it's slowly building up. But I just wish that maybe the storyline that we got in this film could have been a special, a Disney Plus special, or something like that. That's so fair, that by yeah. the time we got to see him in the movies, he was fully the Adam Warlock that we know from the comic books. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, Brett, who do we want to move on to next? Uh, Cosmo. I don't know. You want to get like smaller ones out of the way, like Cosmo <laughs> and Craglin. Yeah, we'll do Cosmo and Craglin. I thought their storyline was cute. I did wish Cosmo. I was expecting Cosmo to be a more active member of the team. Um, Bitch, I was expecting Cosmo to die at the very <laughs> end when he was telekinetically holding the like the <laughs> high evolutionary. I was like, if you fucking kill this telepathic dog, I am done. <laughs> but like he was she was trying so hard at being such a good dog. Yes, <laughs> I do like how James was doing really good. Um payoffs like building like you know us with listening to the whole bad dog thing in the whole movie and then when yeah. cosmo comes in to save Kraglin's like yeah she's a good dog and you know it was like that was a really even even low-key the the last line from um rocket where he finally calls himself rocket raccoon was kind of like oh finally yeah. hearing avengers assemble in game it was like yeah because we if you i'm like it, I, that used to piss me off when he was like i'm not a raccoon and i'm like bitch like for <laughs> a, a second, when he went to the the little thing where all the raccoons are that he was the litter that he got picked out of. I thought it was going to say something other than a raccoon since he Me was too. so determined. <laughs> I was like, damn, maybe they made him something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always liked Cosmo. I've always loved that Cosmo is just this like dog with a thick accent. That's also telekinetic. And I, yeah. I just, I don't know. It's so weird. And I like it. And I, I was glad that we got a little bit more of like nowhere because I was worried once they left nowhere. I was like, no, but we haven't like the same problem we were talking about with the Avengers where it's like, they were only the Avengers, you know, fully for like one movie and then the rift starts and then they break up. I didn't want it to be nowhere is the end of two and then blows up in three or just like, isn't in three. I was glad that we like, even though they left nowhere, we still ended up back there and we still saw the people of nowhere help them. Yeah, and it became a very important part of the final act. Yes, was, yeah. yes. I was really glad we tied back into that. I love that we got that like weird card game scene where it's like a bunch of everyone was a character from a previous movie. Um, oh, yeah. I would have liked how I was really hoping and this is just like a whatever. I was really hoping Howard the Duck would show up at the yes. end to help them. <laughs> Justice for Howard the Duck. Because I'm glad that we got more Cosmo, but I was sitting there and I was like, this is his moment. This is Howard's moment. And yeah. he had like one line. I know. <laughs> I literally yelled in the theater. I was like, how are the duck? And I was, yeah. I was in a really small town, so no one here knows what the fuck I'm talking about. So I'm looking around like, why is no one reacting to this? <laughs> um, yeah, Nick, what do you think of Cosmo and Craglin and like the other characters? 
I mean, I loved it. I think um, with Craglin, the the whole thing with the the whistling and the weapon. Um, I I enjoyed that. There, there there was a thing that I was discussing with somebody. We were talking. We were comparing it to America from Doctor Strange, and about how like at the end she just like he tells her, oh, you know, just believe in yourself, and suddenly she knows how to control her powers. This felt a little bit different. This felt better written. The way that at the end he was suddenly yes. able to control it perfectly, I thought it was just uh, expertly woven in, and it made sense because. It wasn't something that was just added into this movie. Like we saw him practicing in the yeah. last movie when he stabs yes. Drax with it. So I, I mean, I loved it. Even even the um, the good dog scene, I, like it was a little bit telegraphed, but it was I don't know. It was just really well done. I cried at that. <laughs> I cried at that. <laughs> um, like I said, justice for Howard the Duck. Um, and although this isn't a character, but with discussing nowhere, I was gagged th- that they suddenly like outfitted this head with engines and so like it became a spaceship versus just a planet that everybody was living on i absolutely loved that in this film yes yes do we think uh do, do we think that a uh, craglin would become a main character if he wasn't played by the director's brother <laughs> <laughs> probably not that's a, yeah i mean like i still like for a while, I was kind of like, get, he's the director's brother. Get him off the screen. Like, I was kind of, you know, <laughs> anti-nepotism or some bullshit. But I feel like they did a really good job of... I It helped seeing him in Thor, or Thor Love and Thunder and also uh, the holiday special. Like, they really did... Yes. Because his context in the first one was so heavy Yondu. He was such a ravager. Right. And, like, in the holiday special, when they used... He's really good to have around because he has this long history with quill that no one else does so i think like he actually does fulfill a really interesting niche in the guardians that is needed and so like i am now fully on board i am excited <laughs> to see him i was happy that he finally got a little uniform yeah yeah I me too. That they were able to use him to bring in a last minute appearance from yondu um for the final yes. movie yes like, yeah yeah was that cgi <laughs> <laughs> or was that real? Because that looked real to me. And I love that they would have just brought him back to do like this three second cameo. I where think he they did, talk. right? I think they did. I love yeah. that. Because, right, he probably was like in the makeup chair longer than he was in the movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I mean, I mean, it is Marvel. I feel like they can pull that off. But like, it was wild that it's like, oh, and we don't see him again. It's just like a quick two second whatever all right um but that was all we needed right i didn't need i didn't need like that scream with sam seeing her dad in like reflections i didn't need him seeing oh god you know yondu everywhere and yondu talking to him um and i'm actually glad you mentioned that nick about america because i thought you were gonna say it was the same because i was like oh it is not the same because it's like the same idea but way better well, like way, like with way better execution, right? Well, and I think like it was also directed better as a moment because I remember yeah. the theater being like, "God, like I can't even remember it because it's been over a week for me." But um, <laughs> the stakes at that moment felt so high, and I was like, "Cracklin's the only one there. How is he?" Like I was like, "He's gonna die." Like so, the directing and the writing and stuff made that moment work because it was like his back is against a fucking wall. He's got a whistle for his life, you know. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> and, he, and he did it. Whereas I can't even remember the moment. I don't know that America believed in herself and started. You know, it's like okay, sure. I think we <laughs> didn't really see her trying throughout the movie. It was like she forgot she had powers for most of it. She was screaming behind Doctor Strange almost every second. And then, like, <laughs> I think also with that scene, like it made sense because like 
when you think about that power, you probably think, oh, you have to think about where to lead it. And then you have Yondu with this, it's you, it's really about following your emotions, follow your heart type of thing. Like it actually, like it, it was, you know, like when you see someone training and like a coach gives you some last minute tip that actually helps you land or something like that. Yeah. Like it just, it just actually made sense with us watching from the beginning of the movie to the end. Whereas with America, it was literally like, she, it's like she forgot she had powers for most of the movie. And then last minute, Dr. Strange says, believe in yourself. And now all of a sudden she can defeat the Scarlet Witch. Like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Because like, like, like uh, Craglin, it was back against the wall, but we saw him practicing throughout the whole movie. Whereas with America, her back was against the wall the entire movie. Like her life was at risk the entire time and she wasn't <laughs> yeah. able to figure it out. So it made more sense with Craglin because he wasn't under right. attack the entire movie. He did have time yeah. to practice. Exactly. <laughs> and we got to see it. That's that, that makes all the difference, right? Like, oh, we know he's been practicing. We know he's been having like trying to get it to work, but it hasn't like she just kind of would say it doesn't work. So, uh, yeah. Who do we, do we want to move on to high evolutionary next? Yeah, I, I gotta say, oh my God. I think he's one of the best villains Marvel's done in a very long time. Not because, you know, you liked him or you sympathize, but because he was like, just terrible and i like that he pulled that off oh yeah i love a villain that makes you angry and yes. i was angry every single time he was on screen when somebody was uh, I, uh whatever her name was his like assistant with the blue eyes whenever she's talking to him and then he would just get in her face and start screaming at her yes Ooh, i wanted to punch him through the screen yes yes <sighs> and i when it was you got to see also like through those flashbacks you got to see you know the man question mark i don't know right, what yeah. <laughs> if he's an alien uh but you got to see like that scientific side of him and then uh, you got to see him break when rocket you know proved that he was smarter than him. right uh and so that kind of was like oh that's why he's a total lunatic and also that's why his face is stretched across his face right <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah i i i was happy that for what you just said nick like i was happy they gave us a villain that like wasn't just like, oh, he does bad things. It's like, he does bad things and we get to see him like, you know, chewing scenery and being awful to even the people, like the bad people that work for him. He's still awful yeah. to them. Right. Um, and I, I I appreciated that. I didn't even, I, I somehow didn't know High Evolutionary was the bad guy in this until we saw him in the movie. Oh, wow. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't know he was a villain. Like, I, I don't know why I had no idea. I was excited because I was like, oh, we get animal people. <laughs> and then I was like, this is Bova's chance to shine. <laughs> we, we didn't get the cow nurse in WandaVision, but maybe we will. Didn't. Still didn't. Um, Ashley, what do you think of Eye Evolutionary? I hated him more than Thanos. Right? <laughs> like, so genuinely. Like, not, and then want people to understand. I'm not saying he's a worser guy. <laughs> like I think what it is is that like Thanos actually convinces himself that he's doing something right or yes. he's doing for the greater good or whatever the bullshit may be. I think even he understands he's an asshole. He takes yes. so much pride in that. And then seeing both sides of like the version of him in the in the in the present that has more powers because of whatever tech he's developed. But then this past version of him, it, also you know this movie James Gunn has done more for Peta than Peta will ever be able to do for itself. Because the oh, yeah. whole time I was like, <laughs> I am about to go vegan. This is this is like, but you know his his like sadistic outlook. Like they're not even living beings when he, yeah. you know, the way in which he was treating them and things yeah. like that. And then it almost was like he was drunk the way when he realized that 
the raccoon is is smarter than him and can yeah, figure something. Yeah. Like you know, like you see those things where some mad genius would find out he created something that's so that's so smart and and would take pride in it. And instead, that's how fucking up his own ass he is. Is that yeah. he's just more so concerned about himself being this being the smart, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it was just like he was so much more. I keep using like, yeah, I. I Trying to, what, what's like the right adjective? I have three degrees in communications. I should be able to figure it out. But I'm an MFA. I don't fucking know what it was. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. But like, he was, he was petty. Yeah, it's like <laughs> he, was, he just lived in this, in this vile, um, putrid, like, it, it, it's almost reminiscent of like the imperfectionist that, that I, we were talking about a little bit around Nebula because of what mm-hmm. Thanos did to her. But like, so much more than that um yeah because he just extends it to everyone and everything to the fact to the place to the where he's creating whole planets and then destroying people yeah didn't didn't he say that wasn't that like the third counter earth that he'd completely yeah. like built and then destroyed yeah right. and so yeah. and i'm also kind of so- shocked he didn't know rocket was out there because like aren't we at a place now in the world where everyone's kind of aware of these because like when thanos snapped half the I world thought that too um like, it was yeah. earth so it would have been Earth too I was going to bring that up when we talked about Star-Lord because I was like, but wouldn't his grandpa know he's alive? Um, but that's, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to Star-Lord. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I I almost am like, I I want them to do more villains like this. Like, I want it to be like, you hate the fucking yes. villain. Yeah. And like, not that they're, not you hate them just because like they did a bad thing, but you hate them because they did a bad thing. And we also see just like how fucking terrible they are. I think that just like, yeah, it sounds stupid. Cause right. That sounds like what you would get with a villain, but Marvel doesn't often do that. Right. It's because they make most of their villains sympathetic in some yeah. way to perform. So even though you don't approve of what they're doing, they make it, they, they hone it in on you to understand how they got to this place with Killmonger. You know, we see right. he was abandoned. Yeah. Um, even with Namor, it's like, you know, he's, his people are being colonized left and right. right. Um, who else? Um, even Gore, it was like his, his, uh, what child was child. murdered. The daughter. You know? Yeah. So it's like, while we're very, um, we're all on the same page, this is a villain and we're not supposed to like, him. we may not necessarily like them, but on some level we feel bad for them. And yeah. so that kind of taints the whole feeling of like, we don't want this, this epic fight of kill him. We want like, can, can someone help him or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and here is just 100% pure. I want them to put him up on a stake <laughs> and everybody <laughs> form a line and get to stab him one by one. Like, you know, we need. Just, but right. And that's why I thought his death was so gratifying when they everybody all go back. Right. Yeah. There's something really, there's something really, um, there's like a real economy of storytelling with him. Cause you mentioning like that we usually get sympathetic villains and it's like, yeah, like high evolutionaries role in the story is not to be sympathetic. He's a metaphor. Like he is there to represent the fucked up trauma that you have to blow away in order to get past and like grow as a person. Yeah. And so he doesn't need to be any more, you know, he doesn't need to have a, a grand vision or anything. He's right. just evil because that's something that we can relate to on a base level. Like I have a part of my brain that tells me I'm horrible. and I hate like, you know, and that's kind of like what he is in a way. And I think that also speaks to like the entire plot is so, very simple. It's like, got to go get X and then we need Y to open X. So got to go get Y, you know, and, and that leaves you so much more room to do all this character stuff. That is so, uh, so, so satisfying. <laughs> and it, it really is right. It's just, it fucking is. Um, 
his defeat felt so good because I was worried, like, like we all said, I was worried all the whole movie that someone was going to die. I was so worried. And like, especially this fucking villain that I hate, I didn't want him to be able to be like, ha, I killed one of you. Like I, I was like, no, I don't want this motherfucker getting any kills in. He murdered all those <laughs> precious fucking animals. Like, exactly. I just want him dead. And I just felt so good about it. Watching them demolish him and Gamora just fucking stabbing him on her sword. I was like, yes, thank you. This is great. It reminded me, um, to bring it back to horror. Um, uh, have any of you seen death proof? It's like one of my favorites in grindhouse. I've, yeah, s- yeah. I've seen it once back when it first okay, came out. So, um, at the end, when Rosario Dawson and Zoe Bell and they all just like get Kurt Russell and just like fucking like gang up on him and beat the shit out of him at the end, like that is such a gratifying ending. And that's what this reminded me of. And I love that kind of ending. The, well, I mean, this movie, there's a lot of dark moments in this yes. movie as compared to the first two films. And I feel like w- with this villain, especially because his whole thing is torturing and murdering animals. Yeah. I feel like that plays to the audience because, uh, you know, especially, you know, fans of horror, we, we never want to see the dog die. Right. We never want to see the dog die. So the, the entire time, I mean, it was probably, you know, uh, subconscious. I was like, I, he needs to die and it needs to be brutal because of right. what he is doing to creatures that are just in every way, shape or form innocent. Like I didn't want him just in a ship that blows up. Like I wanted this. Exactly. Like it needs <laughs> to be dark Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> when they rip his face off and it was absolutely disgusting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So. That camera, I'm surprised they like, because usually Marvel, like, oh, we'll get like a little, we'll get a, a bit, a nice flash of a, of a yes. fleshless face. <laughs> They're like, nope, we're showing it. We're I, showing it a lot. <laughs> you know, do you think it was like James Gunn is leaving and they kind of were like, yeah, you can do what you want? Because this did feel like that and like some of the violence and some of the like. Well, I mean, do we want to talk about Lila Teeths and Floor right so, now? Yeah. Let's move on Jesus. to the wacky animal pals that were so fucking Jesus cute. Jesus Christ. Showing them getting shot and murdered was uh, like, I, oh, Jesus. I, I've had a I've had a few friends that said that, like, they couldn't handle the, like, animal abuse and that it, like, and I, I do get that. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, Nick, to go back to your horror comment, I know everyone's always like that, but I'm like, if the owner of the dog can die, the dog can die too. Like everyone's free game yeah. is how I feel. Um, so like, while it's like, I don't want the animal to die. I do feel the same way. Like, you know, sure. And evil dead rise spoiler. Like when the kids die, I thought that was a little too bleak, but like, for me, I'm like, if a kid can die, then a fucking animal can die too. But like Marvel, this felt especially like, I don't know. I I was very surprised. I knew they had to die, right? But I was surprised that we like saw it. Like I kind of yeah. thought it would be like maybe ru- the like you know high evolutionary has rocket and then he puts him back in his cage and suddenly the friends aren't there and like yeah you know we can assume that they died but he really fucking it was a shoot stressful them. harrowing moment. Like his yes. entire escape was so which is like you know we've now had ten years of building up to Rocket's trauma and that being such a thing that he doesn't want to talk about yeah that is just kind of essential to his character and so I mean in a way like. They made a huge promise 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and they James Gunn was like, I have to make this horrible. And yeah. But yeah. are either, are any of you familiar with the comic that people keep mentioning that like the, that storyline is we kind three. Of, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We three is great. And it's that. <laughs> right. Like it, like in, 
the weird thing is, is I'm like, are those comic people going to sue him? Because like James Gunn had been saying he wanted to do a movie of We Three, and then basically, because it's not a Marvel comic, right? No, no, it's a it's a Vertigo, I, I believe. But it, um, I mean, so like all those characters are in the '80s Rocket uh, miniseries. Oh, I so thought like just Lila. Lila was. Well, I think there's also a there's also Wall Russ. <laughs> um, so I don't know why they changed his name to Teefs. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess I do. Wall Russ is also stupid. They're all stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's probably enough, you know, leeway. Because um, and I like the animal thing to me. And I mean this in like a good way. It felt like a children's book, but for adults. The way it's like a tale of like using animals to tell us about like, you know, the like cruelty of humans and like, I, I, I mean, this is some old school Bambi Disney yes. bullshit. Like they brought that back. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> it reminded me of a kid's book that I would have read as a kid that would have traumatized me. And I can't decide if I would have loved it because it was quote unquote adult or if I would have been too sad because animals. But like, I love the Redwall trilogy as a kid. And that's all about animals like anthropomorphic I can't even say the word um, about like animals that fight in like a Lord of the Rings type world. And they get like murdered. Like I remember one falling in like a trap that was a pit and getting like a stake through their leg and then they're trapped. So that's what I kept thinking of with this. But to be fair, Redwall wasn't actually a kid series. My mom just let me read it as a kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ashley, what'd you think of all the, the animals? Uh, definitely tough watch for me. Yeah. But I think, you know, the way in which that, but sad enough is that that scene is really just explanatory of not just Rocket's backstory and how he got his powers, not powers, but how he, you know, yeah. able to talk and things like that. But like that scene specifically when he loses his friend, when he snaps, takes the gun and starts shooting them with really great aim. Um, and then, you know, even clawing the man's face off. And like, it just, we, that's when we see a bit of our Rocket, albeit in grief, but like the Rocket we know who- yeah becomes you know like that scene where he's able to figure out what they need to do to make the correct you know animals or whatever he was trying to create um yeah that showed us the intelligence aspect you know when we think about the fact that rocket had a part in building the time travel device like he was yeah he was on the same wavelength of tony stark and bruce banner which really just showed his intelligence of it all that was our first time recognizing the fact that he was that smart and that's clearly what made this man snap and realizing that the raccoon is smarter than him but now yeah. we also see the i don't like to say just completely violent um aspect because the violence was very much um deserved right but yeah <laughs> now the 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 two and two going together and but unfortunately we see the tragic story that's attached to it that that he he's been avoiding this whole time with his new family um and so it's just like such a perfect origin story in that it explained everything without having to like guide us and having to yeah. You know, you know, I hate those origin stories that like, so, like put two and two together. Like we're two year olds. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Um, well, like, here's how Wolverine got his jacket. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Ex yeah. So it's like, it was, it was a very coherent story on its own that there is nothing, there's no part of rocket that we don't understand from it. And so that yeah. was what, but like right. that was very, so much brutal. The rabbit, like repeating that line and then it goes quiet Ugh, yeah. and then I, didn't, I didn't even see teeth's dead i don't now i don't want to go back and see the fucking movie but I did, obviously and, and remember earlier when i was talking about how i would put my head down i mm. knew shit was going too sweet and so i put yeah. my head down when uh lila was was all excited because he got her out 
And I put my head down. I was like, this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. <laughs> and then the bullet went off and I was like, fuck. Yeah. And, but I wasn't, but unfortunately my dumb ass of course was looking when um, the shootout happened. So I oh, had to no. see the dead bunny and I was like, mm. all right. It's so, it's so sad. And like, uh, it's just, I, I understand why it might've been too much for some people, but I like, and this is so corny, but I really do think it was like really beautiful storytelling and some of the best storytelling Marvel has had in a really long time. Yeah. I, I was just happy that they were they were not afraid to show that. I mean, like to yes. to what you said, like yes, if, if I'm you know, say I'm watching a slasher movie or something and everybody's dying, no, don't like pretend like you can't touch the dog or the cat or something. Like everything should be you know right. expendable yeah. in that sense. But it is hard for a lot of people. I mean, I yeah. can I can watch something you know, and the dog dies in Halloween and stuff like that, and I'm not freaking out about it. It is sad because they're more innocent than everything else that we're seeing. But that's, I mean, with what I was saying earlier, where there's a lot of dark moments in this film, I, I appreciate that because they were not, they didn't shy away from it. Like this is something that happens in real life. People abuse animals and stuff like that. Right. And, and granted, they're not just normal animals. Like <laughs> they're talking and stuff like right. that. So it humanizes it a little bit more, but I don't know. I mean, I, it sounds corny to be like, James Gunn, you were so brave. <laughs> like, doing this, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I think that added something to the movie that there yes. was just, they just weren't afraid to explore this. And I, I I don't know, I'm just kind of making this up as I go, but I, I know like a lot of the complaints over the last couple of movies is that they've kind of leaned in more to the younger audience and to the family-friendly aspect and the jokes. And while this film has a lot of jokes it's at least to me it's darker than the previous yeah. two entries um i don't know it just felt with all the animals it felt like the perfect send-off to i mean i'm sure there'll be more movies in the future but at least this right. trilogy um yeah. it felt like we, we watched not just the characters themselves grow and mature but uh just the the story yes. as well like the tone of the films Yes, I feel like the storytelling was like very it it there wasn't there wasn't a like Marvel moment of shying away. It didn't or at least didn't feel like that to me. There wasn't like a I mean, we fucking saw the dead animals, right? Like we saw Lila get shot. We like I I really appreciated the like adultness of the story, but it wasn't even like you know, clearly a kid could see this too, but like it might upset a kid too much. Um and I appreciate that they weren't like I don't know, just like going like shying away from it. All right, uh, Brett, who do we want to pick next to move on to? Uh, we'll get into the core core guardians. This, yeah. Uh, Mantis. Like. Yeah, let's do Mantis. Um, th- I, I, I was glad she got more of a personality and that she wasn't just happy and positive. Like when she snaps at Nebula and is like, you fucking want perfection from everyone and is like yelling at her. I was like, oh, good. We're like, yes, give her emotional depth. Like, give me I, this is what I yeah. want. I love, I never expected Mantis to be like one of my favorite characters. And yeah, me neither. There's something, I mean, it's, you know, whatever passes James Gunn did on the Avengers scripts, if he did. I mean, like, they really did give her more of a personality in Infinity War. Yeah. That, like, they, they built, well, like, God, is there a moment at the end of uh, two where they're like, everybody get your game faces on? And she's like, ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, it's just like that, like, earnest positivity and like the way that uh, they her femininity and her sensitivity was never a detriment like 
her powers are good. Like her, she's actually very, very, she's probably the most powerful guardian and her power is empathy and they don't make it like, you know, Mati on planeteers and he's heart. Who's the most important of all of us. And it's like, no fire and water and wind are better. You know, (laughs) it's like, they really made Mantis feel like an integral part of the team and a different kind of character. I don't know. I just, I just really love her. I just, I just love her. And I think that the holiday special coming right before this also really helped a lot. Cause that was a big oh, yeah. Yeah. character piece for her. I was a hundred percent sure that when she was fucking petting the abelisks, I was like, do not have one of them eat her. Yes. That's I what was I worried about that's that too. Um, also, those were the things from the beginning of Guardians 2, right? Of 2, yeah, yeah. which like okay. gave them all a headache. And so I do like that she's like, no, they just wanted to be loved, and now they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, I liked her, and I, I liked that they gave her more to do. She's the one, I would say, like as compared to Drax. Now, granted, we, we have a, a general understanding of what their backstory is. I don't, personally, I don't feel like I need to see more of their backstory like we did with Rocket. Like Mm. she was just on Eagle's planet the whole time. But I will say that the way that they wrote her in this film and the way that they sent her off at the end, I would be okay if we didn't go back and see more of Drax, but I'm excited to see what's coming in the future for Mantis. I feel like there's a lot of story there to go through, but I mean, she was definitely a highlight of this movie. They gave her more to do, which I appreciated. And they gave her a little bit more of a personality. And I feel like this was the perfect stepping stone to see what's going to come for her in the future. It is really crazy how she's not an original member of the guardians. She comes in the second one and she is the missing puzzle piece that they needed in the first one. She is because she, all the rest of them are assholes. All the rest of them are spiting, (laughs) shouting assholes who cannot agree on anything. And then you have Mantis who is just unrelenting empathy and sincerity. And just like the way that in the beginning of the movie, when they're like trying to do something else and she keeps asking Quill about, why aren't you going back to earth? Don't you have a grandfather? He's like, why are we talking about this right now? (laughs) It's like, she knows that he's like, he's always losing people. And it's like, you have people on earth. Yeah. And you left them. Why? You know, and it's just, it's it's great having her on the team and the you know that's what makes these such great like team family movies is all of them fit together so neatly. Yes, you you are right. That is a good point. She really was the missing like piece that they needed because she is like positive and sweet but also an empath and like literally an empath not like you know someone who's like oh I'm empathic. Um <laughs> but like I I you you are right. She was she has definitely like fill, she definitely filled out the team well in this I thought. She's the heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we want to do we want to do Gamora next since she's not as main of a character? Yeah. Uh, well, this is Gamora 20, 2014. Right. Yes. <laughs> I the thing I will say that I am most happy about, um, which folks in our Discord server were talking about too, and I fully agree with, is that I was so happy that she did accept the Guardians of the Galaxy, but still went back to the Ravagers. Agreed. Yes. Like I would have actually re- been frustrated yes. had she gotten back with. Well, not back with, but because it's a different version. But if she had ended up linking up with Quill at the end and then they just started the romance over, I, that, yes. I would not have liked that. It made sense narratively that we soften her a little bit by the end, but yeah. that she goes back out there to do her own thing, giving that distinction that the Gamora that we all knew and loved is dead. Yeah. Yeah, I 
I was so worried that's what we were leading to because I don't really love a plot of like, oh, you like me, you like me. No, I don't. No, I don't. Okay, I do. Like, I, I really hate that. In, and, you know, especially genre shows love doing that, um, where it's like, oh, you annoy the person into dating you. Like, I don't like that. And so I was glad that he annoyed her into accepting them. But it wasn't even that. It was more like that hindered it, if anything. But, like, she accepted it because that, that you know, that, like, even though that was a different version of her, that was still her. So she was, we do know that she has it in her to soften. And I was glad we got a little bit of softening, but not too much. Um and like, I kind of liked her as at first I didn't love her so much. She was a little too harsh and that's like too severe. And that's how I felt about Gamora in the first movie. So that's good, right? They were yeah. <laughs> in tracks. So I was glad like eventually, like when she's in the, pl- like when she's on the ship, she goes to save, right? Like she goes to save, is she, who does she, is she gets, she saves Peter and Groot, right? Well, no, like no. Uh, she's she's watching the ship with Rocket on it because everyone else is right. who knows where. And then Adam Warlock attacks and it's like, oh, fuck. You're like, I got it. Like, <laughs> and she helped save Rocket from the guy that, yeah. like, you know, w- like tore through the Guardians in the opening of the movie. Yeah. And yeah, I I, I liked that. Um, Ashley, what do you think of Gamora in this movie? Did you like her? I did. I'm really happy that they stuck with 2014 Gamora. I did feel like, I don't know, are they going to have like some all her memories come back or some bullshit that's like unexplainable. But I think what's interesting in the whole aspect is, I mean, okay, some of stuff to be fair to star Lord, it's hard to be mourning someone when they're like technically alive. Right. Yeah. Your yeah. Version of them is dead. I'm like, damn, that would fuck you up. You know, like that's, it's one thing when it's like, they're gone, they're gone. It's like, fuck, there's some place they just don't give two shits about you. They can't remember your name. Well, yeah, it's like, I don't even know what that's a metaphor for. Cause yeah. that just doesn't happen. I mean, unless you get like amnesia, like, yeah, on exactly. television, which I don't think amnesia works that way in real yeah, life. I really so. don't. Yeah, I don't. And at least even you know, in, in cases like that, you know, they have some memories that come back here and there. It's like she just straight up, like she has no, she has no connection to you whatsoever. And in the same regard, what makes it even more torturous is that technically, unlike Peter, Nebula gets her sister back. Like yeah. you know, like she had, does still have an understanding and and fund, like fundamental understanding that the version she had built a relationship with is gone. But she, unlike Star-Lord, does kind of get a second chance if she wants it to still yes. get that relationship back with her sister because this version of her still sees her as her sister. And we know from the old version of Gamora to even this one when we see her in Endgame, there's always been that longing to have a better relationship with her sister that they're yeah. never allowed to have. So she she got to have her sister back, whereas Star-Lord does not get his Gamora back. And so it's also like... like and you still see that fundamental difference. Like Gamora in which it had to be guardians too. Like, you know, she's now become so empathetic and, and sensitive and a little bit softer. She's trying to hug Nebula and Nebula was like, what the fuck are you trying to do right now? Yeah. And then <laughs> here where their way of noticing each other is to grunt. It's like, that would, yeah. be, you know, it shows that that softness that we got from Gamora after being around the guardians for whatever years is, is just not there. Even though she's always been a good person at heart. It's just that her obvious experience with, a genocidal maniac raising her has <laughs> going to have its effects. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, so I just say that to say, I, I enjoy the fact that like, in a way, Zoe Saldana is playing a different character. And so she has to figure out these moments in which she gives us the Gamora. We might sort of remember, but yeah, tap into that Gamora. She originally got casted to play. I'm sure that was fun for her and probably a good recollection when she's saying goodbye. And yeah, for the most, you know, I think also what this answers at the end of the day is that 
there was never a version of Gamora I would say was not a good person at heart. Just yeah. that she'll make, you know, more difficult decisions that the one we got familiar with. Cause like she didn't have to say rocket. She could have been like, fucking I'm out several yeah. times. Yeah, yeah. And she did. Well, and at the end of the, and at the end, she's like, what the fuck is this tree saying? He's just saying, I'm, you're all making this up. Right. <laughs> like, but then at the end when she understands him mm-hmm. and she's yeah. kind of like, Oh wow. Like it, it, it's a really cool how it both like, is closure for 2014 Gamora, but it's also closure closure in a way for our Gamora. The, yeah. You know, the one that we love that the Russos just threw off a cliff because they fucking love doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like it, it did, it did like show Gamora softening or Gamora's uh, empathy wasn't a fluke. Like yeah. no matter, yes. like, like, like you said, like no matter what Gamora we get deep down, she is a good person who is going to do what's right. And it just depends on like how much layers of bullshit and trauma does yeah. she have to get through to get there. And I think that that is just like, it's just like really underscoring Gamora was good. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's really, that's really cool. Yeah. And like, I, I did really like that. Like, you know, when they're all hugging and like, she smiles and, but it's not, you know, it's not a full, yeah. but it's oh, like, she's smiling. God. And then all of the group hugs. Oh. Yes. And then like when she goes back to the Ravagers and they do all hug and they're like excited. And I think that was out. a, that was a really cool rehabilitation also for the Ravagers, which I don't yes. know like what happened to them during the, the, the blip or whatever. So five years, but like to, for her to go back to them and I was kind of expecting, you know, oh, they're all going to be like, we don't even notice her. We didn't know she was gone, blah, blah, blah. but no, like they're all genuinely like happy to yes. see her and it's like the happiest these aren't the ravagers that like yondu led that were all assholes although maybe they weren't assholes because the volume two kind of like retconned what we thought we knew about but i don't know uh they're they're good they're good ravagers so sylvester stallone and all of them are all good people. it could just be a reflection of the leadership yondu wasn't someone yeah. who was caring towards them even with his relationship with peter in the end we we realized it but like Peter didn't know that, which is why he couldn't really stand him for most of the two movies. Um, yeah. And now we see, you know, it's very possible that the way Gamora is leading them is probably in a way in which they might personally also feel like, I mean, I think she actually calls them that, right? She says, I need to get back to like my family or something like that. So she, yep. you know, it's, she found a new yeah. family. I think it's a perfect way um, to say goodbye to her and understand that she's not really a superhero in the sense that she had become one in a way we're familiar with. So it's like, again, she, they found a way for her to explain it explanatory way for her to never show up again uh, without having to kill her since we did have to see her die already. That was cruel. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even I also loved like when they were going into, um, Oh, what, what was the name of that? When they were first trying to get, get the information on um, the, the passcode for rocket and uh, Peter tells him you don't have to go. And no, what Nebula got stuck someplace. And Peter told her, you don't have to go because you're just here to get paid. And Gamora's like, I'm not leaving my sister up there with that man. And yeah, so just, yeah, yeah, I just really love that, like, that sister aspect, you know, after it's like, after watching them have to fight for basically majority of the Guardian of the Galaxy movies that like, that still has been resolved and that we're yes. not going back to that. Same. Yeah, I did. I did like that. And like, how like. In the opening, when we first see them together, they do their hellos. But even at the end of the movie, that's like, that is their sisterly thing, right? That wasn't them being like assholes to each other. It's like, we know they're good and they're smiling yeah. and they do their mm, 
thing to each other. Because, like, I was wondering, like, as the movie was getting towards the end, I was like, oh, we haven't gotten really that much of Gamora and Nebula. Like, we're getting a lot of meaty character dynamic stuff, like, between Drax and Mantis. And yeah. Mantis and Nebula. And then, but then I realized, like, at the end when they did that grunt, I was like, oh, that's all we needed in this movie. Because yeah. volume two yes. was about both of them, like, the two of them that had grown up concurrent together dealing with their shit violently and coming together. And in, in a way, like we've Nebula Nebula growing into being the kind of sister who could accept the love of Gamora f- from 2014. It's like <laughs> Nebula need, needed to do that five years <laughs> to get to the point where she's like, no, I do love you and I can accept a hug. Like, but we're, we're just going to grunt. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's move on to Drax. Um, Drax, Drax was my, he was number one on my uh, victim list of like suspects of people who would die. I was positive it was him because I didn't realize so many of the rest of them said it was their last, but Dave Bautista has been saying it forever that it's his last movie. Like he, I feel like he's like never not saying that. So I was like, oh fuck, they're going to kill him because they love if an actor's leaving to kill that character. It's the Anya curse. That's what I, because I remember that 20 (laughs) years ago, Emma Caulfield being the only one saying, this is it for me. Yes, you're right. And then she fucking died. Um, Uh, Anyway. uh, But like, I, Drax's development felt subtle for me and I liked it. I liked the like, he was the one that was able to communicate with the children and you know, I didn't even think about this, but how in the first movie he says like stupid people dance, and then in this movie it ends with him dancing with like the kids in nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> because like, he's fucking stupid. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what'd you think of Drax in this? I mean, I agree with with it being subtle. I don't think it needed anymore. Yeah. Like, there's there's certain characters which I'm fine with just sort of being the comic relief, and I don't really feel like Drax needed to have a lot of depth to him. I don't like every single character didn't need to have some super intricate backstory. Um, But even with him, I mean, he's simple minded, but he's also just a very simple character. Um, And there, there is some depth to him and it was just enough for me. So kind of with what I was saying before with being excited to see where they're going to go with Mantis it felt like just like a perfect closure to Drax. And I'm, you know, I know Dave Bautista keeps saying that this is the last time, but I also feel like, you know, money talks. So it could end up being like a a share situation with 14 goodbye tours and stuff like that. (laughs) But, um, it opens the door to be able to see him again in the future. Should he want to make a cameo or something like that? Um, in but... the moon dragon movie, please. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would love that. it made sense. Narratively, it made sense because, like I said, he is a simple-minded character. I know that they play it for laughs that he's dumb, but it makes sense that the story itself didn't need to be that intricate. It made sense with the character. So I was very, very satisfied with the way that they finished his small little arc that we've had over the you know the last three movies within this. I was just Nebula being the one to say, like, no, I need you here because I realize what you are. You're a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like that is like in Guardians one. I mean, that's also Drax's just whole thing is, you know, my daughter and wife were killed by Thanos. Although what he doesn't know is that his daughter is really a a bald witch of Titan. (laughs) (laughs) Do I'm still want in these fucking movies who can maybe sometimes turn into a dragon? (laughs) Yeah. God, I love moon dragon. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then I guess we'll move on to 
Uh, let's do Star-Lord, because I feel like Nebula and Rocket have the most to talk about. Well, and Groot. Well, Star-Lord, Groot actually, if any character was shortchanged in this movie, it was probably Groot, but I don't really know what else you could do with him. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was glad Groot got more action scenes, like when Star-Lord, like he's with Star-Lord for those like main action scenes. Um, yeah, him being the smuggling device for all the guns was so yes. cool. Yeah, um, I... I don't think I've liked Star-Lord as much as I liked him in this movie. Um, and, you know, I hate to compliment Mr. Pratt, but I do think he <laughs> he had, like, his acting was the best it's been in this, I thought, in this movie. We absolutely ate right? some big star actors up. With, <laughs> and I hate saying it, you know, I do. <laughs> I know. But I'm not did. happy about it. <laughs> so, you know, oh, it's God. the because yeah. if I could lie and make it sound believable, I fucking would. <laughs> his I his mean, performance I, in this when especially when he thinks that rocket is dying and he starts yes. crying and he's screaming and you like see the spit coming out of his mouth like, like i had to put my hands up on the side so that the people as, aside from me like didn't see me crying because i was not <laughs> expecting him to pull that out of me but he surely he was yelling like it. no oh my god yes like yeah. i'm telling you and it was it was just cpr a too and he was he was so fucking he started doing cpr on him Ugh. It's like, yes. and you can feel it. You could tell this is someone who's like, I am still grieving with the fact that Gamora is dead. You know, a version of her is literally standing in front yeah. of you. You will not fucking. And also the fact that we, we're, we're, he's very clear on his relationship with Rocky. He's like, that is my best friend. Yes. This, this raccoon is my <laughs> friend who I fight with, who literally beginning of the movie is taking my shit. This is my best friend. And it's very clear, even from like the family aspect we were talking about earlier, like this isn't a guardian's mission. This right. is a friend's, this is a family saving their family member. You know, it's like, that's, is everyone's yes. very clear. He is dying and we have two, two days to stop it. And it, there's yeah. just no, they, damn near it could be a suicide mission and it damn near <laughs> is. And they're just very much like, well, that's what the fuck we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, but that scene of him just breaking down oh i hate him so much oh my god <laughs> i i am i mean i i'm cursed with star lord being begrudgingly my favorite mcu character <laughs> no judgment, uh, again, no, judgment. Be, no well only just because like when i watched the 2014 movie i realized that chris pratt was essentially playing you know this superhero character that I had created for myself when I was a child, <laughs> like the, the vibe and the energy and the attitude and all that was exactly that. And so again, I've spent the last 10 years seeing me, like seeing the character that yeah. I made on and being played by uh, the exact kind of person <laughs> who, who would, who would disown me. Um, so, so it's been a real fucking mixed bag, but, uh, but no, I was super, Oh, like the also just like the funny stuff. I mean, him summarizing all of the Avengers <gasps> Infinity War and Endgame yes. in the elevator. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing that I was I was really really hoping that they were going to address because I know like everybody was pissed off by the fact that he started punching Thanos and fucked everything up. Even though that was supposed to be what was supposed to happen and all that jazz, but I was so happy that he addressed it and was like, "Yeah, I kind of almost destroyed the universe yeah. because I lost my temper." And I was like, "At least." We're 
we're touching yeah. upon that and not ignoring that. <laughs> and that I relate to as well. I would have done the same thing. Brett, I'm, not, you know, I'm not afraid to say it. I don't always remember. Like I sometimes I recently <laughs> had someone message me to be like, oh, I was listening to your Buffy season three episode on enemies. Jesus. And you all said this. And I, they were like, what did you mean by this? And I was like, I, I truly don't remember what I said. Like in an old episode, like I don't remember. <laughs> there is one thing I remember you saying that has like been seared into my brain. And it is the first time I had you on for Marvel when we did Infinity War, which was, I think, the first oh, Marvel movie I covered after it came out for Slayer Vest. And I remember you saying that exact thing about Star-Lord. <laughs> I would have done it. I mean, well, also depends on like if I wasn't I'm now on two anti-anxiety medicines and one anti-depression. <laughs> so maybe I wouldn't. But if I was off my meds and Thanos uh, murdered my husband, yeah, I'd be punching him in the fucking face. <laughs> that, that, that's, and that's, I, I, I thought they did a good balance with him in this one too of the comedy with the like, you know, getting him to cry and it eliciting emotions from all of us. I was really glad. I, that's what I think these movies balance so well is like, they're cracking jokes and like shit talking, but also they fucking love each other. And the, the we got to talk about the counter earth scene, which is a big, it's like star Lord going back to his eighties home. Yeah. I love the scene. I mean, the scene in that living room with that poor family is having to put up with Drax, like <laughs> take your feet off the couch. Like, <laughs> and then I also just, I love them getting into the car and, and star Lord, Star-Lord got to deliver the first uh, F-bomb in yes. the entire MCU. Which yes. was, what was it? Like, I can open fucking, the fucking drive. Door. Yeah, open, open the, the fucking door. Yeah, I love that. I also like, I love their bickering. And then just like the way that Karen Gillan delivered the line, oh, I can drive. Yeah. <laughs> him, he was like, do you want me to drive? I can drive. <laughs> I was like, I just, I love just the fucking banter and nonsense of these idiots. My, like, you know, I just uh, my favorite part of that scene when they're in the living room is when she opened opens whatever the drink is nebula and she's like yes this is delightful yeah <laughs> and her like yell whisper <laughs> yeah um and i i like that those i was worried the like animal people were gonna turn against them and it was like a trick i was glad they were just like oh here yeah we'll help you <laughs> like i really also like where that. is high evolutionary funding all that all those goods <laughs> right? and destroying all of it <laughs> all those houses and couches seems and like a lot cars. of work yeah um, and I, the, the, the star Lord, I, I like that. So they did the thing that they do a lot in Marvel that sometimes is a little, eh, but it worked for me that like, he did have a plan going into high, like it didn't quite work out how he wanted it to, but like he had a fucking plan the entire time. And I, I really you just jumped. Oh, yeah. God, I love that. <laughs> and like Groot had the fucking wings and he knew that Groot had the wings and like Groot kind of became his like right hand man in battle in this, which I liked. Swole Groot. Yes. Good Groot. <laughs> um, and I, that, his weird death scene, I was like, I've cried so much, I can't cry at him die. He can't die this gross, right? Like, Especially <laughs> when, like, we had literally just made it, so I was like, finally, I can watch with right? my eyes open. <laughs> like, we did it. We did it, guys. And then here he is He's with like, his nope. fucking face, like, exploding. Right. In, and I was like, you and this, I was like, if there were not people in my fucking theater, you and this Fucking Walkman, okay? Like it's. it's <laughs> but but he got it for Rocket, okay? Like, like you mean to tell me we did all of this? I yeah, was convinced then. that High Evolutionary was going to kill Rocket in that scene. I was so fucking happy when he took the goddamn um, gun out of his whatever. I was like, yes, because I was convinced that after watching Rocket, especially after the the sort of fake death scene of Rocket, 
Yeah. I was convinced when they were like, it's not your time yet. I thought I was like, oh my God, he's going to kill high evolution. Like I thought it was like going to be a, they take each other out thing. It was like, you, yeah. have to, you know, yes. so I was just convinced he was still going to die. I just thought no one was safe. And literally till the millisecond, that's when this man gets the dumbass idea. I know. And <laughs> I did figure Warlock was going to be the one to be able to go and get him. Cause I'm like, they're yeah. not going to leave him floating like that. Unless he like disintegrates oh. in front of all these kids and just, like is the movie not traumatizing enough for them right. um, <laughs> my plot hole is remember how in the first two movies he's always jumping into space and he has a fucking yeah uh, helmet <laughs> that yeah. fits comfortably that behind his boots? ear I was wondering where that I was, was like, why is he not wearing his helmet where's his boots too because when they fucking uh when they when they uh jumped off the cliff thing I mean don't get me wrong seeing Groot's wings was was lit so I'm, I'm not complaining but yeah. I was just like not worried Cause he low key can fly. So I'm just like, what happened to your gadgets here? Why do you still have your guns? But the, I wonder the two- if there was a scene like, cause like, so I was also waiting the entire movie for them to, cause this is what happens in all superhero movies. Like put these on, these are old nowhere security guard uniform. Like I was waiting for that because <laughs> that's what they always do. And I like the fact that no, when they land on counter earth, they're all wearing their team uniforms as if they, you know, had them for a while, you know, that's what they wear. But I do wonder if there was like a scene cut. That's like, Oh, all we packed were these, I don't have my helmet. Like, I wonder if like, that's like something that could have been cut. Didn't they, didn't they kind of do that earlier in the movie though when they go to whatever that living planet was to get the, the oh, code the, for rocket the suit, uh, yeah they have to off. put on the suits to to blend mm. in with like but Nathan Fillion like, and everything they were like astronaut suits not his yeah his mask and stuff like that that were like his his sort of um signature costume that we're used to seeing gotcha. him because I'm like yeah. you are like human looking around these aliens because yeah. he's no you need air yeah like, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about Nebula because I have never liked her more than I did in this movie. It her trajectory has been so weird, um, considering she was just a villain in the comics for most of the. I probably not anymore, but um, she's gotten more complex. Step, but like, yeah, I mean, she was just a you know, I would say must mustache twirling, uh, hair twirling because she has hair. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, most of, for the eighties <laughs> and early nineties, she has hair. Uh, then, <laughs> Yeah, I and I I fully will own up. I did not love and I I've liked Karen Gillan. I loved her in Doctor Who. She was one of my favorite companions. I didn't love her at first. Like I thought her acting was not 100% as as uh, Nebula in the first one, but now I I I feel like she is there 100%. I just I loved loved Nebula as like this leader and like house mom of Neb- of nowhere, where I guess that doesn't even count as a house mom. It's a planet mom, a ship mom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Celestial godhead. So, mom. Yeah. Um, and I like, I love that we get to see her, how committed she is to everyone immediately that like when Adam Warlock's there, she goes, gets that, f- those cool like flight suit wings, puts them on and is just blasting the shit out of him and then gets her ass kicked, but then still gets back up and goes to fight him and stabs him. Yeah. 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 And like, I don't know. I just really fucking loved her in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. What'd you What'd you guys think? I had a mini heart attack every single time she got hit and something <laughs> broke on her. Like her jaw broke, her mm-hmm. neck broke. They broke her in half. I I kept forgetting. I'm like, oh, she's an android. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't realize how attached I was to the character until each time I thought she got got. Yeah. When Adam Warlock yeah. like punches her face off, I was like, <gasps> uh, oh yeah, right, oh was- right. <laughs> But I think like 
I don't know. It it was nice to see because with what you were saying about her acting in the first one, I don't know if I would necessarily say, at least for me, that I thought like that she gave a bad performance. I just think that the character was written to be very one note. Mm -hmm. And I think in a way the character, uh, the behavior itself is still sort of one note, but it's cool to see her now in different environments trying to like interact with different situations like the conversation you know oh i never realized that you had such black eyes and stuff like that and and to see her uh because her like saving children while also yelling at them that was me that was me i was like i am her because i can't deal with the children Uh, so her her intention to look completely i mean for what i think her first interaction her first introduction to us is that even though we know she's a person i think she's even under belief of like to be very robotic because she was an Android. And so then in some level, her, the way in which she expresses her emotions is still very kind of, it's one note, but the intention behind it has completely changed. So like, there's a very clear care for these kids when she sees them because old Nebula with her sister would have been like, all right, we got everybody, let's go. And she's the one that's like, there are kids here. We have to go save them. Um, So even though she's yelling at them, she is, she's not leaving the ship, you know, and she's even steering the ship with her arm um, to get the kid across. Um, Which again, I thought she was going to die there. I was was convinced someone was going to come in. And then even, you know, when Gamora starts fighting uh, Peter, because Peter just can't let go of the fact like, this is not your Gamora, your Gamora is dead. Um, And, and uh, Nebula stops her and Gamora says he's family. I'm family. And Nebula says, so is he. It's like the way she expresses those emotions, mm. like even when she drinks the drink and she's like, this is delicious. Like there's yeah. no, the, the voice behind it is excited, but we know that her emotion is like, this is fucking, this is the best drink I've ever had. Let's count our earth isn't too bad. Um, but yeah, so I feel like, and that's kind of the way she has to deliver. And I don't know if that's maybe attached to the fact that she's an Android or does that come from the fact that she grew up around who she grew up. And so the expression of certain emotions wasn't really, allowed or seen as a weakness even with her snapping on Drax I personally just felt like that scene was was I think I said this earlier was just I felt like it was coming from a place of anytime she messed up her father punished her for it yeah and so you know I feel like that wasn't really a snap on Drax but the fact that like she I think she's still you know grasp you know grippling with this with this reality of how to deal with someone like that because she wasn't allowed to be um, and it kind of felt like man, and I'm, we've heard those complaints around Drax before. Oh, they dumped his character down. Which, if you read the comics, he actually does sort of become yeah, dumb. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, even like that whole thing, I feel like they weren't just yelling at Gamora. I feel like I mean, it seemed they weren't. I feel like James Gunn put that thing in really for the fans who've been complaining about that for fucking ten years. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I think. Karen has figured out a great way to both deliver Nebula's sort of robotic performance, but still giving us the emotion of the kid, like her, her chosen family. She, she freaks out every time she thinks someone has been hurt or is gone. Even Ooh. that's like the most emotion we really get from her is when she hears Rocket's voice. Yeah. Over <laughs> intercom. And um, yeah. And she's like, he's you know, like, that was, and when Mantis does the whole speech, like we we missed you and we loved you very much, like that mm. was true. Like that was such a turning. But like, like the whole, you can kind of feel like everybody taking a collective breath, even though this is like a movie. Like it was genuinely, yeah, all stakes. Everybody would have been ruined if things had went left with yeah. him. But so yeah. she, yeah, I think, yeah, she's. I, I, I honestly, I would have to give it to her in terms of acting because I don't think I'd be like I don't know. 
a lot of people will be able to do that. Like that's what the whole point of an actor is bringing in these different emotions. So how do you do that for someone who is yeah. literally made to be stoic and she figured out a happy medium with it. I think that like yeah. her entire arc, I mean, just like, you know, looking at the MCU as if it was like a TV show that's been running for 10 years. It's like, I think Nebula's character arc over 10 years is pretty yeah. remarkable. And it, it's, it's almost an example of, the actor is bigger than the character ever was in the comics. And so therefore you get this rich, rich MCU character that then can be ported back to the comics. It's that like symbiotic relationship that it's really yeah. cool. And, you know, thank you, Karen did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she really did. One of the things I really like that they did with her character and the arc is something like in my life that I, I deal with is, is trauma. And there's a, a phrase, the body keeps the score. And something that they often do in movies and TV shows is a character will be raised and be dealing with all of this trauma. And then, you know, they have a movie or a season or something like that. And then all of a sudden they behave as if what they went through no longer affects mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And with Nebula, I like they've kept that the way that she behaves throughout all of these films. It's just the situations that she's in and how she responds to them is different, but you still, it's still nebula. This is, you know, it's still somebody that was tortured and had parts replaced for years and years and years. They never strayed away from that, which I really, really appreciated. It felt, you know, despite it being, you know, a movie about aliens and superheroes and stuff that felt very grounded and real to me. So I greatly appreciate it the way that they did that. With and her. also that she, it, it, it really brings home the, her connection with rocket. Like the fact that in guardians one, the, 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 the first time that we get an inkling, there's more to rocket is when he takes off his vest and what quill like sees him, sees his back. And it has all those like little, like noodly metallic cyborg bits on his back. And mm-hmm. I, I think like, yeah, rocket and nebula had the same upbringing, you know, like, you can really you, you really get the idea that like them two being the two that weren't blipped and them two have it like having that five years. She's really been able to find people beyond Gamora. I mean, like growing up, she only had Gamora and now she has all of these guardians who have all been through so much fucking shit. That's kind of like, <laughs> I also, you know, think it was and I, I was also thinking about the fact that Nebula and, and Rocket have been worked on, which we kind of have always known, just didn't know to the extent. But the fact that Nebula makes the the decipher of when she, when they're looking at what happened to him and she's like this is worse than anything that was done to me like that was a very telling mm. you know it was like shit because yeah. you know we saw Thanos literally rip her apart when um to literally to torture Gamora into telling him yeah where the where the stone was so it's like if she's saying that <laughs> like yeah. that really just tells you how um again sadistic this the high evolutionary is yeah and Let's move on to our uh, final character, the character of the movie, Rocket Raccoon. Who isn't in the movie all that much. <laughs> like, Which is insane, right? Yeah. He's not. I was thinking this is probably the, like, Bradley Cooper didn't probably have to do as much voice acting as he has done in other ones. Well, also because, like, Sean Gunn did uh, Baby Rocket, I think. Oh, that's just nepotism. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah he also did all the motion capture. Yeah. Oh shit! I, I didn't know he realize. did the motion capture. I didn't know he was doing the voice. I was trying to find who the the voice actor was. Yeah, I I, th- I watched like a featurette or something, and they were like, "Oh, finally, Sean also gets to like do the voice of Young Rocket." So it's like, "Oh, that's sweet." Oh, 
I really thought they just like upped the vo- like the like something on Bradley Cooper's voice to make it sound more like that. Um, I have not. I, I I've always liked Rocket, but I did not think I would ever like emote so much over Rocket Raccoon. But like from the opening, when we see like fucking precious tiny baby Rocket, mm-hmm. I he was making me cry like consistently. That fucking little raccoon, and I. I God, there's so many moments, but the moment that sticks out to me the most is after his friends are dead and he just scream cries over their bodies mm-hmm. like that, like really hurt my feelings. <laughs> I feel like I didn't realize how much I liked Rocket until when Adam shows up in the beginning and starts annihilating nowhere. Um when Rocket gets hit and then they go to put the med pack on him and he like starts seizing and they're like, get it off, get it off, get it off. I was on the edge of my seat. I was like, get, get the fucking thing off of him right now. Like, oh my yeah. God. And that was the moment I was like, oh, I guess I really, really care about him. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Um, I just, there, his story was so well told. Like, uh, it, Brett, give me, give me, give me a rocket rant. No, I mean, like, it really does tie together the entire trilogy in a way. I mean, like James kind of said that in interviews, like you thought this was a trilogy about Star Lord, but it was really about Rocket all along. Um, and it does like that was the gamble. Like in 2014, 2013, when the analysis was happening, you know, Marvel fans were like, "You're making a movie about a raccoon and a talking tree." Okay, cool. Right. And the fact that like James Gunn did it, that he put Rocket in there, made him work, made him a fan favorite, and then, you know, got to pay it off like this on this level and telling that story and it actually, like, living up to the, I don't know, like, reverse hype? What What's hype when it's a bad thing? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just think, like, that's super, super great. Every time that Rocket was singing along to songs... Which he sings yes. like this is the day is the first song that comes up after he's like um, resurrected. Well, not resurrected after he's like back on his feet and him like just singing along. And I'm like, me and Rocket both know the words to this song. <laughs> 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 it's very, very sweet. And I'm so glad that he's now the leader of the Guardians. Like, which yes. th- that's such a good. Ugh, just yeah. him and him and him and Nebula getting like leadership positions yeah. at the end felt like so fucking earned. Right. Like. Ugh. Um, Ashley, what'd you, what'd you think of Rocket in this? I think they have to come up with a special award to give Bradley Cooper. Um, <laughs> like he just, he stole every scene without ever having to show up on set. He doesn't even show up to the press events. Like he just, he finally, he, he finally did these. Like he did do like, the, okay. Yeah, but <laughs> okay. They were able to get him to leave the house. Yeah. That was nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause for real, like, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's an amazing gig. Like you are part of, some of the most highest grossing movies of all time. And you just send your voice notes over <laughs> and go back to sleep. That's like a real, but no, right. I mean, he carried the movie without having to be, you know, any, I mean, on some level, of course, it's also our emotional connection to rocket as a character. Um, but yeah, I mean, knowing Sean, uh, I don't know how I feel. Okay. Anyways, but still, <laughs> I, 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 I give it to, to, I give it to Bradley personally. Um, yeah. So, but that being said, um, I think it was, I mean, Rocket, from my consensus, has always been the fan favorite of the Guardians. So letting him be the, even though he was in it, ironically, for such a short time, he was the star player of it all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so allowing that for the last goodbye, I think also, I know we said Mantis was the heart, but it's very clear here that Rocket was the glue. Yeah. And so having him be the person, you know, that, 
I mean, they would have done it for anyone on the team, but yeah. like you can tell the stakes here were so were so different than yeah. you know than everything else. And so like that just being such a driving point for them to have to quite frankly risk their lives every second of the movie. And then us getting this very traumatic back. It was it was so many emotions. One minute we're in the present and we're being traumatized, and we go back in the past and we know the shit does not end well for them. Like we are, <laughs> and yet we just like we're still in the dark of how bad it's gonna be. Um but you know, I think and I, I guess I've mostly have spoken already about this and how like, you know, I'm just a really big fan of how they were able to show us how he got all of his traits without having to treat us like we're dumb and yeah. just making it mm-hmm. part of the story and not like physically guide us to it. I'm a really big fan of that storytelling. I have to, again, give it to James Gunn because I know he worked on the script personally. Yeah. Um, I, I It does make me a little excited for DC here, even though I feel like we might be 10 years too late, but still. <laughs> same, I, same Ashley, yes. Trying to have some belief. I do believe if anyone could do it, it's him, but it yeah. is, it's very, very much late. I'm sorry. They did get the bright idea to finally get someone with some vision when people might be slightly tired of superhero stories. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I mean, he... Yeah, I mean, like, I have to agree with you in terms of I didn't realize how much I liked Rocket. Like, I knew I was a fan of him. I don't, but at the same time, I wouldn't say there's anyone in the Guardians I don't care for. Yeah, but it did wake me up to the fact of like, I think maybe on some level as well, it makes you more of a fan just seeing his traumatic story. Oh yeah, side by side with what's happening because it's like yeah. my worst fear was that they get him back alive. And now he wakes up and, ha- and and most, you know, if not all of them, but half of them were, were dead. I was like, fuck. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sorry. I think Bradley Cooper just deserves so much more respect as a as a voice actor. Or maybe I should have been paying more attention. Maybe he was already getting that respect and I wasn't paying attention. But like, <laughs> my man's really, really did a, a phenomenal job here. I'm happy he he went out and actually got his accolades for once. <laughs> Because I'm like, I've never seen footage of him doing the rocket voice, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, but I know it's him. I've known it's him because of the, oh, yeah. Like the, the you know, the, yeah. the rocket thing. Like, yeah. I know, like, we knew it was him from the very first trailer when they basically give Rocket those two lines. And it's like, that's, I think I watched too much The Hangover when I was growing up. And so I <laughs> that. <laughs> that's why I know his voice anywhere. But he is doing, he is making his voice deeper than it is and more like husky, like huskier. So than, um, yeah. And so also my theory is he doesn't show up to the press events because him and Zoe Saldana used to date, <gasps> but I'm not. Oh. Yeah. I've always, <laughs> I'm like, you're in a movie with your ex and, <laughs> and <laughs> you don't want to show up. Yeah. yeah no, I, I don't know. This also kind of makes me feel like they need to have an Oscar for voice acting. I'm not saying he should be like, I know they have one for like the, like, do they have, they don't have one, right? No, no they should. So Yeah. Now I'm I'm gonna have to campaign on his behalf. <laughs> Do it. He ne- he needs an award, and then we need to give uh, Brad Dorf an award. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, one of the things that I really really liked about this is um, Ashley, kind of to what you were saying about them not dumb, like treating the audience like they're dumb with the way that they told his backstory. I like that because something that in my head, as I've been watching all of these films is he has this personality of being mean and kind of being an asshole to everybody. But I like, I, I, for, I don't remember if it's the first one or the second one, but Yandu says to him, like, I know that you play like you're the meanest and the hardest, but actually you're the most scared of all. And it's always mm-hmm. stuck out to me. I'm like, if he's such an asshole to everybody, what exactly is it about his backstory that causes him to be so protective of Groot? And I feel like now we've finally filled in the gaps. Yeah. 
because like, you know he's yeah. he's known Groot since he's a baby, so it's it's his way of being able to protect something when he wasn't able to protect everybody else. And I just loved the way that it, it all just clicked and made sense with the way that they sprinkled the backstory throughout this film. Yeah. Also, if you go back and you now look at Rocket scenes from throughout everything, the Guardians movies, even the Avengers movies, the keys that he's in, and you listen to him. And you, you know, there's so many times we think he's talking about the Guardians and on some level he might be, but now it's a little bit more, it's sadder because he could, he very much is probably more so talking about his first family. Yeah. Like when, right. um, when, when he, cause when in, in, in Endgame, he's on the mission with Thor to get the, the stone from, um, Asgard. Yeah. And Thor's having a panic attack because he's lost so many people. And you start to, and you know, you might even get a little frustrated with Rocket because he's being so mean to him. And Rocket's response is like, we've all lost people. And this is basically our chance to make sure we don't lose, you know, yeah. our, our, our other Ugh. people permanently. And now you really understand right. it. Like he wasn't talking about the Guardians. He doesn't really consider them gone yet because he still has a chance to get them back. Whereas he's never seen his other family again. So now you kind of understand that motivation a little bit more because he's trying desperately to not have to be in the same situation he was. So like- when you are emotionally capable and able to handle it, you might be seeing some of his scenes in a different light. Yeah. Um, Cause I think in a lot of stuff, he wasn't, he wasn't talking about the guardians. He didn't consider them to be gone yet. Yeah. Mm. I think you're probably right. Um, oof. So is there anything else uh, before we, before we do our closing, I feel like this was, I, I, I really enjoyed this discussion. I've been dying to fucking talk about this movie. Um, is there anything else? Any of you uh, mid credit scene? I do. So like, you know, uh, this is supposed to be the final Guardians movie. That's what it was all. And then in the mid and post credits, it's like, no, like there's a new Guardians lineup and also the legendary Star-Lord will return. So like, <laughs> yeah. OK, well, it's, uh, but I do think so. Like I, I wrote about this on uh, on an article at work and, you know, we, we meet this this new Guardians lineup in the mid credits and it's you know Rocket Groot. Uh, Craglin, and then Adam Warlock, Cosmo, and then a little girl named Phyla, which is very exciting to me. Phyla yes. Vell, daughter, well, genetic weird clone daughter thing of Captain Marvel, <laughs> of Annette Benning, I guess. I don't know. That's the weird Yeah. Uh, but it, so, like, and we see them, like, doing their mission. And so, I don't know, like, my bet, if I was to place money, is like, I, I am assuming that they're setting them up. I could see them being the supporting cast of like the Nova uh, special presentation mm. they're working on. Because if you look at that cast, mm-hmm. they, they can't build a movie around that cast because there are no name actors. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're, they're none, no character in that uh, sextet is, you know, a lead singer. They're all a backing band. But I do think that like, you know, you cast a, a, a hot actor as Nova and then you make them the supporting crew and then you have a new Guardians lineup. Uh, so, I mean, that could happen because, I mean, I don't know why you would uh, introduce us to a new lineup and then not not use it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I I liked that team. I liked what it doesn't Cosmo. Is it is it Cosmo that gets the like on your left? Oh, I don't like, remember. Reference? One of them says that. Um, And I got to say that Star Lord. I cried. I cried when he hugged his grandpa. Oh, yeah, I did. I was like, Ugh. I cried so much. I really felt like dehydrated after this movie. When the credits rolled, so I saw it with my former uh, Barnes & Noble co-workers, who I always see the Marvel movies with. My manager, my former manager, Chris, as soon as the credits rolled, turned to me and said, are you okay? Because I cried <laughs> so much. <laughs> I uh, 
I don't. So then, like, if we get a legendary Star Lord movie, which I mean, I I guess we are because that don't. That's why they put that there. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know what the Guardians yeah. franchise looks like without James Gunn writing and directing it. Uh, I do think like a movie that is like Chris Pratt in St. Charles, Missouri as Star Lord, like, I don't know, dealing with like local drug dealers or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. Like, I'm the legendary Star Lord. I saved the galaxy twice, almost destroyed it once, but I <laughs> I can take on all of you meth dealers. <laughs> I think it'd be fun. Well, I feel like I felt like it was more so like he's gonna probably be in something attached to other people but like they still have him playing yeah because like isn't he i mean i know he's technically not half celestial anymore but he still has like a connection to that and we now have the eternals oh yeah that was the big thing after shang chi the post credits was like these weapons are you know super old or yeah so i don't know if there's some connection there even if he doesn't have his powers anymore if there's something in terms of his okay the one question i have for all of you though is i I forgot to bring this up when I'm talking about Star-Lord. Wouldn't wouldn't his family know he's alive? Because I feel like from what we've seen of the shows, everyone seems to know everything that happened (laughs) at the end of Endgame, which is fine. I'm fine with that because the news outlets would report on it. I'm sure there would be a hundred nonfiction books of like eyewitness accounts of like someone who saw someone who saw something. Yeah, Ant-Man has a full book. Wouldn't they know who isn't like, wouldn't all of them be like people know who every hero was who was that well i think it, it well, would be on it would be in character and on game for star lord because he's like you know i'm the legendary star lord i'm big, right. it's like no there were like like ask ant-man it's like oh i don't know there were like 50 heroes there star lord sure you know <laughs> it's like just <laughs> no one remembered to report on him i can see that happen <laughs> yeah. also to be fair even if i mean because he recognized him so easily that's um, true as someone who grew up I me, mean, he doesn't look the way he did when he was a kid. So it's possible he did know he was out there, but what is he really supposed to do? It's like, if your grandson doesn't want to come back, it would rather be in space. Um, True. You know, you kind of, that's just what I was thinking with the fact that he's never coming back to see me. Um, and instead you see him in the doorway. So it's like, I feel like the fact that he, you know, picked up on him so uh, easily might be that he, he knew that that was his, his son. There was just really nothing that he can do. He can't exactly call him in space. So, yeah, I, I just kind of felt like he he knew his grandson. I mean, that's also even going off of Mantis's point of your grandfather's down there, and you know he you know you you, you abandoned him the way you feel right. abandoned by everyone else. So it's completely. It, it might even be that Mantis kind of knew your grandfather knows that you're might that's know true. That you're still out here and feels lonely and can't get to you. So that's true. I, that's I'm, true. I'm going to go with the fact you know. I feel like he knew. Um, especially because okay. he was like reading the the newspaper about the whole Kevin Bacon yeah, abduction true, thing. Yeah. I feel like it was more like he knew that he was out there. It's just he never knew if he was going to actually see him again. True, like Grandpa isn't getting to space, right? Because yeah. I was like, I was like, we, we scanned past the pictures of him as a kid, and he does not look like the same person. So there had to be something like to clue him in that he he was out there, that he was alive, because he immediately just recognizes him. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So, uh, favorite scene now that we're at the end favorite scene ashley oh god i really don't know i know um, i don't know either i, I don't know <laughs> yeah, i really fucking don't know since we didn't really talk about it too much um i'll say uh rocket when he tells them we have to save them and they're like oh the kids are there it's like no we have to save all of them and they oh. have to start carrying these oh my things. god i love that oh. scene it's it's like silly but very sweet uh, right yeah, them like the mission statement uh, yeah, and also just to, as kind of intertwined is him realizing he is very much a, a raccoon and um, 
calling himself Rocket Raccoon for the first time. Um, it did very much feel very Avengers yeah, Assemble yeah. to me. It was like that line we've been waiting for for 10 years. Um, yeah. And so him, his understanding of the fact that he's actually an animal. And like I said, James Gunn has done more for animal rights than Peta because <laughs> it, the end message there is, you know, they are living beings too. We have to get them off the ship or else they're going to die. And I'm your best friend and I'm a raccoon. So if you right. love me, then you have to have respect for these animals too. I'm like, that's. Yeah. You're right. Mm, several points. Yeah. Several points, little one. <laughs> uh, Nick? Um, I'm torn between three of them. <laughs> so Fair. I love the, li- it's like super fast. The, whatever the little, an- I think it was called the blurp. Um, yeah. The one, the, the little animal that Adam Warlock had. Uh, I almost started crying when he peed because he was so scared. <laughs> um, that was that was a standout to me. I loved the scene with um, Gamora and Peter when they uh, when they're on the one planet and he's trying to cut, like be suave with the alien girl and and Gamora is just being abrasive and they keep going back and forth on whether or not she's actually falling for Peter's charm. Yeah. And then they make you think like, no, like uh, he's, he's just going to be wholesome. And that's what's you know going to change your mind. And then he just becomes Peter right at the end. He's like, oh, no, no, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, I was yeah. never actually going to do that. Um, <laughs> that. And then the third one, I loved Nathan Fillion. How yeah. the, the, the little gag of like, oh, yeah, we have a dumb one, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would just pan back to uh, whoever that was. <laughs> also, it's so weird that Nathan Fillion has now he's been in all three Guardians playing a different character. Which is so weird. The, when he, as soon as he appeared on screen, because I didn't see his name in the credits, but as soon as he appeared on screen, I was like, Caleb! <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, he's it? Like, I was like, in my brain, I was like, who is he playing? Is this a character I should know? But it's just a random guard. Right, Brett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was Michael Rosenbaum playing? Oh, he's um, Martin X, the, the prism-y guy. The, like, diamond-looking guy on oh, the, the Ravagers. Ravagers oh, who, like, has, like, gotcha, four gotcha, parts. Gotcha. Yeah, it's well, so weird. Also, Miley Cyrus voices mainframe in Volume 2, but she did not come back to say yes, her one line of not. dialogue for three, so... <laughs> but it was Tara Strong, yeah. who is a very famous voice actor, who did... Did she do Batgirl, or did she do Harley Quinn in the animated... Oh, I think she did Batgirl yeah. uh-huh. in the animated series. Um, Yeah, the I will say the only name that stuck out to me, when I saw Linda Cardellini's name in the credits, I was like... Oh, they're going to go to Earth and see Hawkeye and his wife? Like, yes. that was what I thought when I saw her name. And I was like, but Jeremy Renner's not in the credits. That's weird. Is it just his wife? Is like, they go to see him to get help and he's not home. So they talk to his wife, but then she... Now her and Judy Greer yeah. have, like, are in that club of, like, have played two different characters in the MCU because Judy Greer voiced the pig that Adam Warlock pulls the head off yeah. of. War pig, yeah. Which is so weird. Um, <laughs> Brett, what's your favorite scene? I mean, the Beastie Boys fight scene, uh, obviously, but I also need to shout out. I mean, the entire uh, heist on that organic like factory planet. Yes. Yes. Like so watching that, I realized like, oh, this is what they were trying to do in Quantumania. But this is good. Yeah. Like (laughs) went down to like the organic controls that you just stick your hand in and you feel the goo and that does things. And I was like, oh, yeah. But like there. That entire sequence, I was just like, I've never seen things on film that look like this. Like, this is so bizarre and just wonderful. And I think, like, after suffering through the the green screen multiverse of Mattis that was Quantumania, <laughs> it was nice <laughs> seeing, like, actual, I don't know, artful and, I don't know, 
Right. It did. It did really feel like Marvel was saving their money to make this one. Yes. <laughs> I, I was just about to say that it's weird that this movie has come out after like numerous bad movies that have not had great like CGI and sets and like Ant-Man looked like one big green screen set. And this looked fantastic. Yeah. Like there was there wasn't a moment that I was like, oh, that looked bad. Yeah. Um, Which was surprising considering, um, especially considering the previous movie was Quantumania, which maybe looked the worst. I think for me, it was the musical cues that really worked. This is going to sound weird. I think my favorite scene was the opening when creep is playing Hmm. because like it was just so fucking beautiful and like watching them go through their mundane everyday lives. Like I always want to see that. And I just loved seeing it while this like way more emotional version of Radiohead's creep is playing because it's acoustic, but also when in the meantime is playing and they're doing the space jump, which I read is a reference to space, uh, 2001 space odyssey, the slow motion, the like, I love that song so much that like, I don't, that, that scene made me cry because it was beautiful. And like, there wasn't anything sad happening. I just thought it was like really great. Um, and I liked that. The, the thing that they do well is like, then Peter turns off the music. Like, I really like that. They can have that device of like, yeah, that's what he's listening to. That's why we're hearing it. And he's, you know, turning it off right now. And I I liked, I thought Zoe Saldana did some really good acting in that scene when she's like answering him, but annoyed at him, but not really looking at him and like looking over to answer. <laughs> but like, you know, she's not playing it up, but you can tell that she's like, shut the fuck up. And I really like that. But then also the the Beastie Boys scene, hallway fight scene. Ugh, so good. Um yeah, well, uh, we're all probably going to agree, I think, which doesn't happen that often. Hasn't happened on a Marvel movie in a while. What grade do we give this movie? Nick, you first. Um, This one is going to be a A minus for me. Okay, okay. Um, Ashley? I'll give it an A. I, I, my only real harsh critique would probably be on um, Adam Warlock, and I don't think that's fair to hold against it. I think that's a wider MCU issue. So, yeah, I'll give it an yeah. A. Um, Brett? Yeah, A. Yeah. A, a plus huh. to the entire Guardians franchise. Yes. I <laughs> and I love the franchise, but I think this is my favorite one. Like I I have loved the franchise, but I think this is the one that made me cry. Um Agreed. so cried numerous times, not cry once. Um Thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for listening. I was so excited to talk this movie, and now this has been one of the longest recordings we've done in a while. Um I apologize to all of you that had sit here for two hours with me. Um, but uh, yeah, if you like Slayer Fest 98, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. I'm going to be doing some more videos over there um, and some more live streams. If you want to support us, you can find us on Patreon. I'm going to be revamping our Patreon coming in June, so there may be different benefits, but we have a Discord, we have bonus episodes, we have monthly Zoom calls, monthly Zoom watch-alongs, and uh, if you want to follow us on social, we are at SlayerFestX98 on all social media platforms. If you want to follow me, I am at Carlos. Nick, where can everyone find you? Um, you can find me on socials at Nick Says Boo, or you can find me on YouTube. I have a reaction channel, uh, mostly horror movies, but occasionally other stuff too, which is also Nick Says Boo. And Ashley, where can everyone find you? Ashley K. Smalls everywhere, basically not that active because I'm working my dissertation, but at some point I'll post again. So that's where you can find me. 
um brett uh, you can find me on twitter and instagram at, at brett white you can read sporadic uh coverage of you know marvel stuff at uh on decider and you can follow at barb hardly to see my uh burgeoning drag exploits i mean well i'm at like 11 months now so i guess i'm <laughs> burgeoning anymore i might be a professional queen <laughs> uh, you are i'm i'm sure, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say professional it. um all right everyone well we will see you next time bye